Well, good morning. How are you? Good. Yeah, you're good? Yep. Did you miss me last week? I don't know. It didn't sound genuine. So, but the four of you, maybe, maybe. No, I, I actually, I was out earlier, and, and somebody said, you know, like, oh, did you have a good time where you were gone? And the person next to it said, oh, I didn't know you were gone. So, that sounds about right. So, do I do appreciate you letting me get away. We dropped my daughter off at, at college, so um, that was the third one. And I was asked, hey, it was that... How was that different than dropping your boys off at school? And, you know, it was, it was the same weird feeling of everything's good and right and sad at the same time. Um, I do know this. Uh, it takes a whole lot longer to, uh, uh, to settle her dorm room than the boys. I mean, just so long. So um, we had a good trip. So uh, I'm glad to be back. So we visited a wonderful church where we were there, but... Um, but I miss, I miss you guys when I'm not here. It just it doesn't quite feel the same. We walked out of the church we visited, which was a great service, and, and uh, my daughter said right away, oh, I miss our church, and that made me feel even better uh, as a pastor dad. Well, this morning, we're stepping off of Philippians, but I want to remind you what we've been focusing on Philippians, that, that for the five weeks, we've been walking through the first two chapters, so you know we're doing a snail's pace, but as we're walking through, we said the church... Paul is writing the letter to the church in Philippi. The church is community centered around advancing the gospel. That's what it is. The church is not just a, a mission to advance the gospel. That's super important. The church is not just community, just to come together and be community together. It is community centered around advancing the gospel. What Paul is letting us know is you are stronger and better at your witness in sharing Jesus Christ when you are a good, solid community together. When the community is not there, advancing the gospel be, can become very platform-based. It can be very program-based. But when community is leading, it's something very different. It's relational. It's sharing with a friend and a coworker and building life together. And that's what Paul is getting at in Philippians. Now, even though we step off that this week, you're going to see when we talk about what are the four M's of membership... That's built into our DNA. That's what we want to be about when we talk about membership. Now, let me give you a, a quick history, if I can. When I started ministry, I was 18 years old, and um, so 12, 13 years ago when I started this, and when, what are you laughing at? What are you laughing at? Be quiet. Don't laugh. Uh, so, no, when, so when I started this, um, I remember there being models that, uh, that, that membership classes were built around. And you might remember some of them, they were kind of built on four steps, kind of 101, 201, 301, 401. Then I, the 01 was dropped, and 1, 2, 3, 4, those kind of steps you'd walk through. Might have been called growth tracks or going around the bases or those type of things. And they were focused on this, come to worship, be in church each week, get into a small group somewhere, serve in a ministry somewhere, and invite a friend. So membership was kind of built around that, at least the focus of membership at the local church. Usually churches had some theological uh, standard as well that they might have been part of. They would share that in their membership classes also. But it was focused around those four actions. And so we taught those for years in that type of thing. When I got here, I said, well, let's, you know, let's kind of write our own. And, and if you remember, many of you went through it. We had this, this journey. It was like a, a dotted line, and there was destinations on it. And there were six different destinations. And we're like, this is your journey at Windover Hills. And the first destination was everybody in worship and everybody in a small group and everybody in a ministry. And so we just kind of went around the journey. So took away bases and created a journey, right? 
But at some point, either, and maybe it's both, either it's the culture or it's just we've been teaching this same thing for a long time, kind of a been there, done that type of thing, you could feel like it just kind of lost its pizzazz. And I think this is what collectively what we, we figured out as ministers to a degree is that we were calling people to do some things, super important things. I mean, be in church, a small group we really believed in, you know, serving in a All those are good. But we realized we, we weren't always calling people to believe on anything or, or the concept is like die for this type. Or we weren't calling people to do this. Get on board with what God is doing and saying, God's doing it, I'm going to do it, whatever it be. Because you could do those things that we just talked about, and you could say, oh, I do those all day. I mean, look at, look at my attendance. It's pretty good. You know, I've got a small group. They're pretty good. You know, I serve in a ministry. It's convenient for me. That type, we, you could have all those type of things, and yet still there might be something missing in my heart surrender to what the Lord might be doing. So we hit COVID, right? And COVID reset everything for everybody. And so I thought, well, we don't have to do that membership style anymore. We don't have to do those classes that way anymore. Let's talk about what does it mean to be a member here at Windover Hills? What would I want to call people up to here at Windover Hills? In what way would we want to say, this is what God is doing. We want to invite you. Would you get on board with what God is doing here? So we sat down. We just rewrote the whole thing. And we came up with what we call the four M's of membership. Now, it's one-third of the membership class, so don't think this morning you're going to have to sit through the whole membership class. That's not what we're we're doing here. Now, I could do it. It's it's two hours. Do you want me to just do it? There's not a lot of head nods. So, all right, I'm just going to do what I plan then. Um, But I want to give you a brief overview of what these four look like so you understand our desire is to say, God is at work. God is doing something. I don't need you to become a member to feel slots. I want you to get on board with what God is doing. And how you get on board with what God is doing, he might lead you in all kinds of directions here at our church. He might use you to expand, grow, do something brand new here at Wendover Hills. But this is what we want it to look like. All right, here's the progression. I put it in your notes this morning if you like to track. Membership at Wendover Hills. It starts out as a spectator, not just here, but anywhere. You might be seeking, you might be wondering, is Christianity for me? Uh, what, is there anything here? You might have been invited by somebody and you said, yeah, I'll go check that out. Or if you would quit bugging me, I will go. I don't know, whatever it would be, You first time you came, you probably came just to watch and to see, what is this? Last week, I went to a, a new church with my daughter, um, and I'm thinking, I'm going to drop her off. This could be her church while she's at college. So I'm sitting back and watching and looking, and I'm spectating to see what is this place? What are they about? What are they doing? That's the first place. You might say, but I was a seeker. I was really seeking, is, is Christ for me? Is faith for me? Or maybe you stepped away from the church. Is getting back into church for me? Or maybe you're just saying, hey, I moved. We're looking for a new church. Or you're just changing churches, and you're like, is this the place God would have? That's an important first step, to be a spectator, to be a seeker, just to see what does God have here? What is he about here? So that's the first place. That's not a bad place to be. So sometimes you might hear a speaker talk about and say, the church is just full of spectators and that. It's an important stage, really, really is, and you don't want to rush through it. However, it's a stage God wants you to move through. And the second place is a participant. 
And that's when you start to say, I, I, I may start plugging into some of these things they're talking about. I'm going to come to the midweek. You know, our midweek starts back September 6th. There's your plug, right? Um, I may come and, and be a part of Bible study or be a part of uh, the, the, the gathering down the hall. Uh, I may come and be a part of men's prayer. I, I want to plug in somewhere. And, or you start to get to know a few people. I'm going to hang out afterwards. You may say, what's well, it? What big deal is that? We all hang out. No, no, it's part of becoming a, a participant is I'm going to linger a little bit. Afterwards, I'm going to talk to some people and connect with some people. So this is a very important stage too because you're starting to plug in to things that you'd say, this seems to be important to the church and I want to connect as well. Now, most of these things are designed to grow you in your Christian walk or to build community for us, the purpose to advance the gospel. And so they're worthwhile to plug into and to participate in. It's an important step, really important that you start plugging in. But you could get to the point where you've just been a participant for, I don't know, 10 years, 15 years, you know your journey, right? Where you're like, I, I never really felt like I'm, I'm just like surrendering to what God is doing. It's just the church had this program. I kind of liked it, so I went to it. And it was good, and some weeks I couldn't make it. And, and, and that's kind of where it ends for you, a good thing. But we're actually calling a third level membership, calling people up into something different. And this is what it is. It's saying God is deeply invested in this area at his church. We are not guiding and directing. We are hearing God and listening to the Holy Spirit. And he is leading us to say, go this direction, be a part of this. And I'm going to get on board with it. You know, sometimes personally, that means I have my own things in my life I, I need to surrender that God's speaking to me about. He's saying, Tom, that doesn't, that doesn't look like me. If you really want to go where I'm going at your church, if you want to lead your church, you got to get on board with me. It would be the same thing for you as well. So this membership is, is different. It's saying, God is at work here, and I want to get on board with what God is doing here. Now, we're a unique church. We're just one church in one corner of the area. I've told you we're the best church on Joy Drive. I've driven the whole stretch. So the whole half mile, there's, there's no other churches on this stretch, at least not in building form. So, um, so we're doing good. We're number one, number one in our demographic. So we're just one church right here. Are we a perfect church? No, uh, I haven't found one that's a perfect church. I'm not a perfect leader. You're probably not a perfect congregant. That's just how it is. We're just saying, I want to hear God's voice and I want to go with him. I believe you want to go with God in your life. And what I'm saying as a member, we're calling you, let's go with God together on what he's doing through this church here in this area. So here's what the four M's of membership is. This is what we'd be saying, hey, I want to call you up to this. I want to tell you this first off. I'm very okay today, right now, with you not being a member of our church. And the reason I say that is some of you are in a spectator or seeker point of view. You, that's okay. Don't push past that. A baby doesn't have to walk before they crawl, right? Um, in fact, it's an important stage. It's an important stage to be a spectator and to seek and to see what is God doing here. Maybe you're a participant and that's where you've been. It's okay. It's an important stage to plug in and see and feel out. It's actually how you sometimes hear God's voice when you plug in and you start to see how he's moving. Our encouragement is don't get stuck in those places. Listen to us calling you and asking, would you raise up and be a member? 
be plugged in with what God is doing on that level. So here's what it looks like, these four that we've identified. Can I tell you, they're not perfect. It's not like these categories perfectly fit everything God wants to do and how he wants to do it. That would be me trying to put a system on God, but these are helpful for us. Here's the first one. It's mission. The reminder that we are on a mission here, that God designed you, he designed me for purpose, you have value, and he wants to do something with you. We often talk in phrases of, Lord, would you heal me up? Lord, would you restore within me? Would you speak to me? Would you help me overcome? And God says, that's what I'm about. For the purpose of putting you back on mission, that you would be part of his mission. And we kind of break that mission down in two ways. The first is to pursue a life of holiness. Do you know that's a mission? That's purpose and direction God has given to each of us, to pursue a life of holiness. For God to say, I want to transform you. I want to make you into what, what really he says is what I am, is what the book of Genesis tells us, made in his image, and he is holy. First Thessalonians, Paul writes it this way, for God did not call us to be impure, but to live what? A holy life. Do you know what a holy life is? It's a life set apart for God. That's what holy means, set apart. So when I set myself apart for God and I say, God, you do your work in me. All those things that sometimes we get caught up and say the definition of holy is, you know, be perfect, don't sin, you know, that's not, doesn't really capture it. It's I'm setting myself apart for God, and that setting self apart, guess what God does? He takes us kind of like clay, and he molds us, and he makes us, and he works with us, and those things fall away. So I want to pursue a holy life, set apart for God. That's a mission. That's a mission that we're on. And so we want to call you up to that as members to say, wake up each day, God, today would you make in me what you want me to be today. God, today, what are you speaking to about? Where do you want me to go? What do you want me to say today? I'm on mission to live for you. That's what we want to do. I can go around those bases I talked about, and I can come to church. I can go to small group. I can be plugged into a ministry. I can even invite a friend, and yet I could, if I wanted, be putting aside this idea of pursuing and surrendering to a holy life. The second way on mission is to lead others to Jesus. To not forget that the mission we're on is to share Jesus with other people. Jesus said, for the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. We know that's part of what his thing is. In fact, we might, as Christians, say, hands down, number one thing Jesus came for. And we might also, in the same song or so, sing, I want to be like Jesus. I want to be just like you, Jesus. And then we don't ever share Jesus. I think we just forget that we are on a mission and if you go like, I just don't know how to do that. I'm not the finished product. I'm not as good as this. You know, God says, I don't care about any of that. I'll help you become that. My Holy Spirit will help you. You just be willing, and I'll lead you the way I want to lead you in that. But we're designed to lead others to Jesus. Can I tell you this? I think, we, I think the church has to repent of something. Um, repent is when we acknowledge it, and then we turn around and say, I'm going to go the opposite direction. That's repent. Um, I think we need to repent of something. One, we have to repent of the idea that evangelism or sharing Jesus happens here. This is where it happens. The stage, the production, the stage, the singing, those type of things. This is where it happens. We need to repent from that idea. 
Because as much as we work on this stuff up here, because if you believe that as a congregation, what you're going to sit back and do is you're just going to sit back and watch the show, and every once in a while you're going to hope I can invite somebody, and you're going to hope the show is something that transforms their life and they say yes to Jesus. Now, God can use this. He's been using it for forever, right? But I think we need to repent of that idea because guess what? If I buy into it, you know what I do? I spend all my time on the production. I spend all my time scripting out every moment, thinking I want to move this. And, and you know, at best, I'm thinking it just happens here. At worst, I'm almost trying to manipulate you to draw you to that place. In reality, I read, the, I read the Gospels, I read the New Testament, and guess what? It doesn't happen up here, hardly ever, almost at all. It happens when you and I go and we talk to people, and when we love people, and when we build relationships with people, and when we say, I have a relationship with you, I love you, you're so important to me, that I want my faith in some way to be part of our relationship. I want to be at least able to share you, with you about Jesus. And so... We want to lead other people to Jesus. That's how we want to do it. Did you know that every single one of you likely are the product of someone taking missions seriously? Every single one of you are part of that. Somebody took missions seriously and talked to you about Jesus. Could have been your parents or a friend, a coworker. Uh, somebody talked to you about Jesus. Maybe you went to church and then somebody took you out to lunch after and said, hey, what do you think about what was said? But somebody took it seriously. Why would we not then if we're even the product of somebody taking that serious? So that's M number one. The second one is ministry. And it's no, it, it's no surprise that in a church, there is a lot of ministry that happens. When I took my major in college to be a pastor, it was called not pastor. It was called Christian Ministries. <laughs> yeah, it's teaching you how to minister. Now, it wasn't that it was saying, Tom, we're going to teach you how to do a lot of programs at the church. So here's what a midweek looks like. Here's what the kids, you know. Now, that's in there. It's much broader than that. It's what we do, how we interact, how we set up church, some of our programs, some of our gatherings, how we teach you to share Jesus with others. All of that is ministry. It's all ministry. It's all caring for other people. It's all doing for each other in certain ways. All of it is ministry. And God has actually designed you and I uniquely to serve in ministry. In fact, the opportunities here at the church, both program-wise or relational-wise or, or gathering-wise, they all fit into ministry. Here's the first thing, to serve one another. That's what we're supposed to do, to care for and serve one another. Do you need to be cared for and served? You probably do, right? Do I? Yes, even as your pastor, Probably we don't have a ton of people that would say, I'm super mature in my faith. Nothing's going wrong in my life at all. Everything's just, you know, uh, I really don't need any of you in any way, right? Maybe we don't have any of us that way. We have to care for one another. It doesn't matter what it is. We want to build into one another, right? And guess what? In First Peter, it says it this way, each of you should use whatever what gift you've received to do what? To serve. Like, we don't get a passage that says, you should use your gift to financially make a living in life. You, God had, may have blessed you that you were able to do that, right? One of my gifts is public speaking. I, I've had the opportunity. It's been a blessing to be able to speak every week to you. 
But God says, use your gift to serve others. That's what he gave us the gift for. Whatever it may be, that I could turn around and I could serve and care for somebody else. And we have a church full of people that need to be cared for. Then we walk out of the church door and it even exponentially grows to other people that we can serve and we can care for. That is ministry. When somebody's down the hall and they're taking care of the preschoolers down the hall, that's ministry. They're caring for the preschoolers. They're also allowing the parents to be in here for this hour. That's ministry. When you just take the time to stop after church and talk with somebody just for a few minutes, that's ministry. I saw it just earlier today when somebody stepped out to talk to somebody else who was grieving. That was ministry. And you're each uniquely gifted for this type of thing. The second thing is we'd offer ourselves in humility. It actually goes further. Let me read the verse first so you understand. Because, and you might remember this because we went through this in Philippians a few weeks ago. Don't do anything for selfish purpose, but with humility, think of others as what? Better than yourselves? Like Jesus gave us the golden rule, right? This is like the golden rule plus. We got to think of others even better than ourselves. So that when I look to other person, I think, what is your need? That's the first question I have to ask. What's going on in your life? How do we care for you? And you may be in a position where you can perfectly care for somebody, or you may not. But collectively, a community of believers can care for one another that way. You know what we're calling members up to do? We're calling members to be involved in ministry, caring for other people in all the ways a church would care for people, whether it's plugging into a ministry down the hall with the kids or plugging into some form of care ministry, but in some way, plugging into ministry. Here's how it happens. Really, I think one, uh, two ways. The first is this. It fits perfectly with who you are. Like, it's just designed perfectly for you, and you're like, I'm wired that way. I love kids. I love energy. I love working through curriculum. We're like, wonderful. We have a kids program that works through curriculum with kids. How perfect is that, you know? And everybody's happy, and there's confetti and all that kind of stuff, Right? The second way is it's, you serve in a way that's needed. You look around and say, this is just needed today, right? I'm part of this, this kind of this family, this community, and I'm seeing an area of need. And I thought, I just need to plug in, right? Like probably, I'm guessing, you walked in this morning and you saw that big uh, pile of pine needles. Did you see that out there? And I know most of you, <laughs> you saw it. <laughs> I know most of you are like, how do I get in on that? Right? Well, I'm going to tell you. <laughs> oh, you I, actually, we are going to do it next Saturday morning, 9 o'clock, if you want to pine needle it. But things like that pop up, and you're like, there's a need. I don't want to do it. I don't want to put down pine needles. I don't either. Right? Um, probably there's nobody in here that goes, I live for pine needles. Oh. <laughs> you know, you just jump in where there's a need, right? I would love to tell you that these two areas, perfect fit and a need, like they always just overlap so perfectly. You know, and you're like, there's a need. Oh, and it fits me perfect. This is great. But if you sit around and you just wait for that to happen, you might never serve. You, you might be, you know, just here for a long, long time. Who knows, right? So here's what my encouragement. One, if there's an area that fits you, maybe we should launch it. Maybe it's something new. Maybe we should put our heads together to see what God might be doing, especially if you're surrendered to mission and you know this is what God is, how God is moving, Secondly, if you see an area of need, there might be a season of your life 
where you just say, I'll plug in there. I'll plug in. Now, if you can't play a musical instrument, that probably won't be the area up here, right? So even if there's a need. But there's so many ways God says, hey, there's a need for this season. How about jumping up and doing that? That's ministry. And for members, we're calling you up to that, to look at it from that perspective. God's at work, and I'm going to jump in here. Here's a third one. This might come off as your favorite. I don't know. Called maintenance. Maintenance. Now, when I say maintenance, don't just think of, you know, being outside pulling weeds, but don't not think of that either, right? Maintenance is how do we maintain what God is doing here? The building's part of it, right? There's a, a maintenance thing that happens. Anybody's house needs some maintenance at your, your yard or anything like that? Yeah, yeah. so you understand the concept. That comes with it, but we're talking about maintaining everything God is doing here. Sometimes it takes some maintenance. There's people that are really good at launching things and getting, you know, kicking up dust and getting stuff going, and there's people that are just wired to maintain stuff well. And so <laughs> the church needs both. Here, here, let me say it to you this way. Here's the first one, to take ownership. Paul's talking, and he says, for each, each one should carry their own load. What he's talking about in that passage, and he's talking to the church, is you all should get in and do what God has wired you to do, called you to do, or what God needs you to do in the church. Just carry your own load, whatever it may be. Like, here's, here's this might be a pipe dream, right? But, but I have to say, like, you, you come up to the church, like, when you see the church, you go like, this is my church. Like, this is my church. And you don't just think about it from, this is my church. I love the music. And like, period. Or this is my church. Man, that pastor can preach. Okay, we know you're not saying that. But, and period. But like, you walk up and say, this is my church. Like, everything here is, like, this is my church. I get to be a part of this. Everything that, that is here. The, the fun days, the work day, the things that I have to do. They, I mean, just everything. This is, this is my church. And within that, there is, there's ownership sometimes. There's ownership to say, hey, I, I, I'll do that. I'll, I'll do that because it is my church. I want my church to look nice. I'll pull that weed even. You know, I'll do something. Now, if you decide I'm going to take ownership, I'm going to come in and borrow all the computers for my house, that may be taking it a step. That may not be what we're talking about. But maintenance is when we say, I will plug in and look at this places my own. What I ask of you, I want to do myself for you. So we're in this together. Second one is to be a great steward, a good steward of what we have. Everything, our building, our time, our finances, we want to be a good steward all the way around. And the best way to be a good steward is to maintain really well also. And so a couple things, this relates a little bit more to building, but like we don't pay people to clean the church. We do that, right? You go on the list to, to say, I'll sign up to clean. I go on the list to clean. We just, we clean the church together. Some weeks we have a huge crew and we walk in, it all smells like Febreze. And we're like, wow, smells great. Some weeks it's a skeleton crew and we don't get to everything. It's just how it is, right? So we don't pay people to mow. Ben across the street says, I'll mow the church. I'll mow it. He's been mowing for five and a half years. Never took a dime for us. We don't really pay up people to organize. We just have Ron and Jan, or Jane come in and organize the closets for us. So thank you for that. Um, even when we strip the floors, we just say, hey, can we get some people together to strip the floors? And we did that this past year. And we looked at it when we were done and said, mm, it's, 
okay. <laughs> we learned some stuff. But we'll be a little bit better next year, right? Or you can join us and we'll be really good if you know how to do it. So I don't know. Being a good steward of what we have, that's important. You've been faithful with a few things. I'll put you in charge of many. Maybe you remember the parable Jesus talking about there. I want to be faithful with what we have, to take care of what God give, gave us. When we decided to build this church, um, I had kind of grew up in that, that mindset, my early Christian days, that just build it huge and God will provide and people will roll in and dollars will roll in and it'll be incredible. And then in Arizona, we built huge. And guess what? It was almost crippling for the church. And so we decided here, we're going to build what we can afford. And if God wants to so bless us with growth, and we've seen that even in this calendar year, growth about 25 people, then guess what? Well, that just means there'll be extra dollars to go serve people, care for people, do ministries we're not currently doing. We won't have to put it back into uh, the building. And so that's what we chose to do, being a good steward. So we call members up to maintenance as well to help us. Now, I know there's this, uh, it's been a long time in the church. Uh, maybe you've heard this. This idea that you want to plug into ministry, you're new here, okay, everybody starts in the same place, you'll start cleaning restrooms, and then everybody kind of works their way up in ministry, right? I just think it's junk, junk mentality. I think it's for all of us, everywhere, all the time. I talked to somebody, they were in their 80s, and they told me, of all the churches they've ever been to their whole life, they've never had a pastor standing at the door to greet. And that doesn't connect with me. I'm thinking, well, why don't all pastors, you know? I mean, I'm part of a team. You've seen the team. It's not just me. Um, why don't all pastors clean? We, we want to all do anything we're asking each other to do also. And that shows up often in the maintenance category. So here's the fourth one we call uh, members up to. And the fourth M is money. Now, this is a delicate one in the church world because we've all watched We've all watched the evangelists on TV. We've all watched somebody who has manipulated this whole concept of money. We've all watched the prosperity gospel tell us that you'll have blessing flow your way if you give, and if you give this certain way, you'll even have more blessing, and probably they'll send you a free book. So that's, that's been kind of the focus. But I don't think what, that's what the Bible teaches at all. I think the Bible teaches, hey, you at your church, your context of ministry, support your ministry. Care for your ministry. Fund your ministry that God is doing that. In fact, overfund it so your ministry can do more. That's what God wants you to do. I don't think he's designed us to sit at home and say, I'm going to send just my money just to this thing I see on TV. I think it's part of the community we are part of. And so we call that the tithe. The tithe is what we fund the ministry of the church. What's happening here just week in and week out pays some salaries, it pays for the building, but it also covers all of our ministries and what we want to do as well. When something shows up and, and there's somebody uh, in need, sometimes somebody gives and then we give it to that person, but often other times we just pull it from money that we have because we just think this is a time where, where this person or situation uh, or ministry needs to be funded. That's where the tithe comes from. Jesus was talking to the religious leaders one time who were very good about tithing. They were wonderful at it. But they weren't good at caring for people. They were not compassionate at all. And Jesus gets on them and he says, you should have practiced the latter, compassion, without neglecting the former. 
keep your tithe going, keep caring for the church, but get in there and love people and have compassion. This is the package we're all called to. This is what a member would be called to. You see how mission and ministry and money all work together there. That's a 10%. That's financial-based giving. That is discipline-based. That is God told me to do it, so this is what we're going to do here at the church. Leaves 90%. And in 90%, this is what we're always going to tell you here at our church, is surrender what's most important, but it doesn't have to be at the church. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. You know, you try to pull a dollar out of your pocket, you know, that's painful, right? I was at the airport yesterday flying home from Arizona, and I did not know a sandwich in the airport was $13.49. Where's that? $13.49. So I thought I was getting a two-foot long, you know, from a place. No, I was getting something about this big. Um, because we know the dollar grabs us. That's where our heart is often. In that area, that is heart-based giving. And this is what we're always going to teach here. You just follow the Lord. If the Lord puts on your heart to say, be generous, to give, but it's not to the church, then you go for it. Give it where, wherever he calls you to do. If you're listening on Caleb and you're just like, I live for pledge drive. You know, when pledge drive season, you know, like you crank the radio even higher, you know, you roll down your windows, you crank the radio, get your bass booming for pledge drive, right? Because you're just passionate about giving, then go for it. That's how God leads. That's what, that's what we want to do. We'll keep preaching, look, tithing, discipline-based giving, that supports the church, but everything else, you give it, you, you spend it as God is leading, guiding you, directing. I can tell you this, he won't be leading, guiding, directing you just to spend it on yourself. He'll be leading you to care for others. But in what direction? Go for it. The door's wide open. Could be anything. You just follow the Lord in that, and we will honor that and support that. These are the four, these are the four M's of, of membership. This is what we call members up to. This is actually saying, look, we recognize this is harder. It's more difficult. It takes a sacrifice to surrender. But isn't it time that we kind of return in life to something that might be hard that's worth it, that really is deeply worth it, especially as it's seeing people come to know Jesus and growing us up as well. I think in this world of trying to make everything easier and easier, membership has suffered in the church world. But I think this direction, and this is what we're calling people to, and I'm proud to say this, this week, this morning, we brought in more members in one setting than we ever have, calling people to really what I would call a, a, tougher, you know, a tougher road, a tougher journey to listen to God and say, I'll surrender and get on board with what God's doing. So I want to pray for you, and this is what I want to ask. If you are an existing member, maybe you've, you've been a member here for a while, you went through the, the, the journey that I talked about, or maybe you even went through it before I ever became pastor, um, and this is what I want to ask of you. When we go to prayer time, I, like you, go before the Lord. You don't have to say anything out loud. You're not filling out a card. Just say, Lord, I want to reconfirm, reaffirm my membership here. I want to reaffirm getting on board with what you're doing. And maybe you're a member and you'd say, you know, I've kind of been neglecting. I remember that class. And I don't think that's where my heart is, surrendering to what God is doing. Great opportunity. It's just between you and God to say, Lord, I surrender again 
to what you've called me to as a member here. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Um, thank you, Lord, that you call us to something that we're surrendering our whole life to. And Father, when it comes to this context of saying, hey, I'm here at this church, I'm going to surrender my whole self to what you're doing, and this is part of it. And there'll be times where the surrender happens right here in this place. Father, would you reveal yourself? Would you be, continue to speak to us about what the Holy Spirit is saying, how you're guiding and leading? And then, Lord, I'm praying for just this mass that would say, I want to get on board with God entirely, entirely. So, Father, lead us. Lead us when it comes to mission. Lord, lead us when it comes to the ministry, which often involves time. Lead us when it comes to maintenance, which sometimes involves the, the doing of things we don't enjoy as much. Lord, lead us when it comes to money, which is often where our heart lies and where we see our treasure. Father, you lead because we want to be a part of what you're doing. We pray it in your son's name. Amen.